Have you ever felt lost when trying to support a grieving friend? Suggested Etiquettes for the Grieving is your go-to guide for offering real comfort in difficult times. Written by Angie Williams, this book is packed with practical tips and heartfelt advice. Be the friend who makes a difference. Order your copy today at Amazon.com or visit www.slowtospeakwithvooch.com. That's slow, the number two, speak with V-O-O-C-H dot com. Order now and transform the way you support those you care about. Suggested etiquettes for the grieving because being there matters. Yeah, because it's an emptiness in your like you you've carried that person, you you've carried your child for nine months and you nurtured them, you know. And then when you become a parent, that they're they're a part of you. So when you lose them, you lose a part of you. Now when you lose a parent, you lose a part of you as well. But it's a different thing because I lost my mother. And I know it was a um oh, it was a very hurtful thing and stuff like that. But I was able to take what she taught me and move them into my life so she's with me every day. Where with my child, I was the person that was supposed to be spilling into them. And now they're not here. Hi, my name is Anthony, a.k.a. Vooch. And I'm his wife, Angie. And this is the Slow to Speak with Vooch podcast. At different times in our lives, we are faced with loss of different kinds, whether the loss of someone we love or something we hold dear to us. When supporting the griever, it is hard to know what to say or what to do. Well, I'm excited for this season on Slow to Speak with Boots podcast. My wife, Angie, and I will be discussing some suggested etiquettes when supporting a griever. Over the past 10 years, I have experienced so many losses, family and relative losses, friend losses, job losses, and health loss. Experiencing loss upon loss to me felt like a wave of water that just kept hitting my face to the point of leaving me breathless. In my experience with losses, I found that many were unaware of the proper etiquette to use when supporting the grieving. So I was encouraged by a friend to write down my experiences. This led to family, friends, and me to write a book called Suggested Etiquettes for the Grieving. These suggestions are only a framework of ways to consider when supporting a person grieving any loss. These following podcasts are going to be with the authors of the book, so please enjoy. All right, so today we are going to discuss part one, etiquette number four, Remember the Griever After the Crowd Has Gone. And today we are joined by one of the five authors, Nikki Renfro, who actually wrote this particular etiquette. Hello, everyone. (laughs) Hello, how are you doing? I'm doing great, doing great. That's good, that's good. And Angie, if you could explain a little bit about how you came to know uh, Miss Renfro here. Well, um, I was, I started working at the same place she was working and 
I just came over to your desk, and this is how I remember, correct me if I'm wrong. Okay, okay. Um, I went over to your desk and um, I saw you had a picture of your son on there. One of them was head on a spring for high. He was a runner. This is your older son, right? Mm. Younger, and my then, baby's son. Yeah, the baby's son. Mm. Oh my gosh, he gonna be mad. Don't call me a baby. But anyway, <laughs> and then I, I point to another picture and I said, who is that? And then you explained to me the situation mm-hmm. that happened with your son. And so okay. I, um, that day, honestly, I went back to my dad's and I, I, I was like, okay, God, is this the one that you want me to replace my sister? And so then the next day I prayed and I came back to um, Nikki and I said, would you mind writing a section in my book? And then she she um, let me know that, yes, she would love to. And then she also added that she had the Facebook play, page, which was wonderful. So that's how she became a writer in the book. And hey. we barely knew each other. I just liked her. Yeah, we just clicked. <laughs> we just clicked. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, um, now this is for you, Angie, just starting this off because I was looking at um, this chapter and the beginning of the chapter is a scripture, Ecclesiastes chapter three, verses four through five. The NIV says a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones and a time to gather them, a time to embrace, a time to refrain from embracing. Why did you cut off the opposite side of the scripture at the beginning of this chapter? It, well, I um, cut it off at first because it, this chapter, it's important to understand the first part of it because at this time when all the festivals are going on for funeral, burial, and all those things, it's, that's the time to weep, mourn, and embrace. Mm-hmm. But just discussing with Nikki at this point, um, she helped me to see something. And I'll let her talk a little bit more on that. But the other side needs to be said as well, because there's an, another side after a while. So that was the reason for cutting it off at first, because at that time, it was time to weep, mourn, and embrace. And that's what she's asking for in this chapter. Mm. All right. Thank you. And Nikki, um, do you mind explaining a little bit um, what happened um, what's your son? Oh, no, I don't mind at all. Um, at the time, he was t- he was 22 years old, mm. and he was uh, supposed to be working at Steak and Shake that, that night. And so that's where I thought he was at. But come to find out, he had, uh, they were overstaffed, and they let him be off of work. So he decided he was going to go over to um, his uncle's house and mm-hmm. play video machines or whatever. Mm-hmm. At that time, then that house was um, people broke in there and they, you know, started shooting up people and everything and stuff. Mm-hmm. And the funny thing about it is, is that, I mean, all day long, it was weird. I had interactions with the police all day long wow. or something. Wow. And not knowing that at the end of the day, I was going to have this, you know, right. mm-hmm. so it was just kind of, huh, you know, one of those things. And, um, like I said, he was 22 years old. He didn't have any enemies. He was small. He had been sick when he was little. Mm. So I had nursed him back from really death until, you know, right. he was 22 years old. And he only weighed like 93 pounds wet. Mm. And um, for but for that to happen, it was just one of the most traumatic things ever can happen in your entire life. It's been 17, almost 18 years now. Mm. But, but wow, we still don't have any closure. Yeah. Wow. You mm-hmm. know, 
Nikki, at this time, our son is 22, so that hit home. Yeah, when you said so that, I was like, wow. Them. Yeah, yeah. And I really appreciate you did, you explaining the background on him because, as you can see with the um, George Floyd incident, one of the things that America tend to do is when they see someone's been murdered, they mm -hmm. automatically think they either deserved it, it was right. drug-related, they mm -hmm. think all these negative things, and you're saying like my son was nowhere near any of that. So I appreciate you yeah. saying that background. Yeah, he wasn't yeah. reared that way or anything. So yeah, right, right. So have you gotten like any new information or anything on the case? Well, it's funny, and I think I I um, explained this to Andy before. Mm -hmm. You you really know who it is. Mm. But the police won't do anything about who it is because they claim they don't have enough evidence. So in in sense, you pass these people every day. Right. You know, and you know who they are, you know, and they know who you are because they look at you and you look at them. And when you look at each other, you kind of know. Right. You have that feeling like. Yes. Yeah. yeah. The mother has that feeling. They know. And so, yes, being a rough 17 years. But, you know, I try to keep that smile on my face and everything because I know one day I'm going to find out. And maybe it might not be in my life. Right. But, yeah, mm. you know, but I'm going to smile because I'm like, well, they evidently are smiling or are they? Right. Yeah. Mm. You know, yeah, yeah. Mm. It's, yeah, it's, it's different. It's different. And it's been different, different cycles over the year. Every year you get a little bit more. I'm not going to say you feel differently about it, but you have a shift. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah. Mm. Now, um, did your son, he tried to open the case back up. Is that correct? Am I yeah. wrong? Yes. And he's still working on that. Okay. Wonderful. Yeah. Could you tell what your son does? The oh. um, Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. My son, Jordan, he is a... Um, he, so he is... Sports psychologist, uh, he does, he manages like a, uh, the uh, St. Louis University girls basketball team. He's overseeing wow. them and their psyche, you know, and all that. Yeah. And right now he's working on his doctorate. Wow. Um, and he's in St. Louis University. He's obtained uh, two masters and so, and yeah, his associate and his bachelor. So he's really... Yeah, he makes me proud. I mean, all my kids make me proud. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> all make me proud, you know, but it's just that icing on the cake, you know. Right, right. That's they're awesome. so different. I mean, my first one was really super smart, and they took him from me. Now mm. I got this one that's compelling, mm. so it's kind of like a two-edged sword. So I'm right. You know, right. Right. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's and, awesome. Um, yeah. Did you say Jordan, He's um, he was doing counseling at some point, is that correct? Yes, uh-huh. Still is. He's doing that. Yeah. And he works for the suicide hotline and all that. Right. Mm. Path. Yeah. Yeah, that was the part that I I was when I first met you, that's what he was doing. Mm -hmm. And I was just really impressed with that because I know we had a hard time, although he's had the ability to cross races with his uh, his therapy, I, it was right. great to know that there was an African American Mm -hmm. um, therapists out there who understood even the the bad side of the streets, you know what I'm saying? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And I mean, he experienced it himself here in Springfield, Illinois, when he was pulled over at one time. And then he wrote a very eloquent um, 
Facebook posts regarding that event, mm. you know, that really sparked a lot of, you know, chatter and stuff. Because, I mean, the police officers just kind of like, you know, put him in a category where he wasn't even in. He's like, man, look, you know, I'm getting my going to get my PhD and blah, blah, blah. And he started talking about, oh, well, you know, just, it was. Right. At that point, I mean, he really was upset. You know what I mean? Mm. He called and he's like, mom, I can't believe what just happened to me. So. Mm. And it'd be great if we can. I'm sorry. It would be great if we can post that um, Facebook page with this um, this podcast, so everyone can see it, so that they can have even. It'd be great to have words to even speak, because sometimes it's it's hard to verbalize how you're feeling when you're going through that. Oh yeah. Oh yes. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Have you ever felt lost when trying to support a grieving friend? Suggested Etiquettes for the Grieving is your go-to guide for offering real comfort in difficult times. Written by Angie Williams, this book is packed with practical tips and heartfelt advice. Be the friend who makes a difference. Order your copy today at Amazon.com or visit www.slowtospeakwithvooch.com. That's slow, the number two, speak, with V-O-O-C-H dot com. Order now and transform the way you support those you care about. Suggested etiquettes for the grieving because being there matters. You know, um, I was looking at the book here and just mm-hmm. going over it and um you had mentioned about you know people attending um, the home the homegoing festivals, and mm-hmm. I want to know um, what are some of the things that um, those attending the homegoing festivals that caused you to feel like you had to entertain them. You you know you had mentioned that you had to, you felt you felt like you had to entertain them during this time. <laughs> right, yeah. it, it's true because they come in like it's a hmm. I don't know. I'm sitting here. Number one, I never thought this would happen. Right. And then number two, I'm thinking, you know, people are going to be using my bathroom. I don't have enough toilet paper. Mm. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, they're bringing things into my house that normally would not be there. Um, people at first, first, you know, they were bringing food. And I'm like, well, what are they bringing food for? I got food, you know. And it, it was kind of like a process in my mind. What are you here for? Right. Right. What are you here for? And then, you know, you have your onlookers. You have those that are just trying to see how bad off you really feel. You know, you and you can feel that stuff because you're you hear you can you might be in your zone, but you can hear the chatter. Right. And when you're full of different people, you got to watch your stuff. You know, right, right. Mm-hmm. You don't even know who they are. They right. May, they right. Known, they may have known your child, but you don't know if they know them or not because you didn't know them. Right. Wow. So, yeah. Oh yeah. The most. Oh, go ahead. Most of that happened because you, your son's case was a high-profile yeah. murder case in Springfield, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Well, exactly. honey, can you take out Springfield? I don't... I, do you want them to know where it was? They can, yes. Okay. Yeah, because, I mean, that is kind of like some of the way for me to say, maybe somebody might see this, that I remember this. Mm. I have something to say. You never know because remember this is still unsolved. Right. Right. That's, that's okay. true. That's a good point. That's a good mm-hmm. point. Mm-hmm. Now going back really a little bit, point. yeah, going back into did you ever feel like when 
when you're there, you know, and all those people in your house, did you ever feel like, I just want to just go over there and just ask them a question? You know, like, like, what are you talking about? Like, you know, did you, were you a friend of my son? You know, like, did you ever have like those thoughts? I had a lot of thoughts. I had thoughts to ask them that. I had thoughts to ask them, or do do you know who did it? And you're just here to see if somebody else does know. Was it you? Right. <laughs> I mean, it took me forever to go to the grocery store. Mm. Only mm-hmm. because, I mean, even going out of my house, I did not feel like, because of the energy that I have, I knew that when I ran across that person, I would know exactly who they were because... Right. The energy that I draw off of people. So, yeah. Right. You can feel it. Mm hmm. Mm. And I remember you mentioning at some point that um, you just felt like, man, I just want to go into another room and be by myself. And Mm -hmm. and all those feelings that came along with that. And I remember you said there was a breaking point when at the um, repass. And can mm-hmm. you speak on that one a little bit? Oh, yeah. I came in after the funeral. I was just done, mm-hmm. you know, and I came through the front door and I just wanted to retreat to my room. And I mean, I actually had to have somebody to watch the door to keep people from coming into my room. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to be wow. there. I just wanted to be there by myself just to gather myself. I mean, they didn't realize I had just buried my son. Right. And they're in my mm-hmm. house, they're partying, and they're eating, and they're doing all this stuff and everything. I said, this is not a party. I mean, I, I feel bad. Right. You know, mm-hmm. There they are. They're doing all of this. And it's like, ugh. Yeah. So now I understand why when people have, that's why I really don't attend repasses, really, per se. Um, I know it's the end of it is for to get people feeling like going toward normal. But most people die of natural causes. And different right. things like this. And this here was totally something different because, like I said, again, all these people that were partaking of food in my house, I'm like, again, was it you? Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I know that's a it's a hard situation because it's like, well, you're seeing people eat your food, they're smiling and everything, and you got all this pain inside. You're just like, mm-hmm. there's nothing to be happy about during this time, but people over here laughing, talking about sporting events and different things, and just like, really? Right, right. You know? and, and I know that's probably the, met the what do you call it, the stages of mourning or whatever like that, but to mm-hmm. me, it was just too quick. Right. Too quick, yeah. Exactly. I remember when my sister's um, daughter was murdered. Uh-huh. We actually knew who it was. But mm-hmm. one of the things is, is that you had the news people trying to come in and she just kept like saying, I don't want to talk to anybody right now. And the other thing at the funeral, like you said, you said it perfectly. They want you to, you to be normal and normalize it right in the midst of your pain and the beginning of your pain. Exactly. Exactly. And I remember people were trying to make her laugh and she was just in so much pain mm-hmm. that she had to keep this face up, this persona that she's okay. Hey, because that's one thing in our community, we tend to have to put on this face to say that we're so strong and keep this stoic face during hard t- hardships and, and people want you to be okay. And it's just like, I'm not okay at this point. And no. if I'm not crying, that doesn't mean I'm, I'm okay. Yes. <laughs> you know? Right, right. And I, you know, and I tell people that still today, I call it uh, tears of a clown because mm. I mean, uh, 
upside down because I'm running around here, you know, I smell and all that stuff, but they just don't know. I think about it every day. Every day exactly. I'm still looking at people, you know, I'm still looking to try to find ways to, you know, and people say, oh, you're doing it for you, trying to get justice for you. I said, no, I'm trying to get justice for my son. Right. And I deserve that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When someone doesn't understand your situation, it's most best not to speak on it and just to listen and learn. Right. I'm, I'm learning that more and more every day. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Because I know I have, like, again, you guys were talking about my Facebook page. I also had, like, a couple events that we held. Mm. And we had an event at this place downtown. And the, my group is called Voice of Those uh, That Were Silenced by Violence, that have been silenced by violence. Mm. And that, we did a thing, and I had to get up and do a speech, and I told them, I said, you know, I said, all you people are looking at me up here, uh, and you hear what I'm saying. I said, but as small as Springfield is, and the way things happen, one day this person up here is going to be you. So I just want you to take account of what happened, what, you know, the process that you have to go through and this is a very painful process, and I don't wish this on anybody in here, you know. And it's funny because after that, it just seemed like people were coming to me saying, "Oh my gosh, you know, this just happened." I watch it on the news, I do. But every time somebody gets a child or a young man or whatever is, uh, you know, murdered in the streets of Springfield, I mean, it brings back a whole lot of memories for me. Right. And but then again, it brings back memories for me. But then again, again, I go back to was it you? Right. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, and that's, ooh, you know, yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, this side, trying trying to find justice for people. And then I was like. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. You stop like, okay, was it you? Right. 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 Now, I know, I don't know if you want to speak on this and we can cut this section out, but how did that impact you and your family members? Oh, it still is impacting us. It still is. I mean, that's the reason why Jordan went to St. Louis and uh, to study and said he would never come back here to live. Mm-hmm. Um, I have one son that uh, barely likes to go out the house. He's 33 years old. Mm-hmm. You know, I have a daughter that, you know, she got married and stuff and everything, but we're really close knit. We really don't do anything without each other. Right. So I'm like, nobody has been able to um, really live their life in a way that is per se without that being part of their journey. You know what I mean? Right, right. It's behind them. You just can't get away from it. It's there. Right, right, right. You're constantly thinking about it. Every time you get ready to walk out the door, you're Mm -hmm. you're thinking. Mm -hmm. I understand that. And I remember you saying... Like you're getting close to, to solving it, that's when you really get paranoid because... I mean, that person don't want you to, you know. Right. Yeah. yeah. I remember you saying that was one of the major things that people forgot about when everything was over and mm-hmm. we're speaking about this. And I'm, I'm going to go ahead and be quiet because I think that's my husband's next question. So I'll let him ask it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, well, actually, um, you know, I'm just thinking about, again, um, you were saying when everyone was there at the house, could you speak on what happened after that? Because you mentioned in the book that there was no more phone calls um, mm-hmm. or people would say, you know, because we even heard it, um, you know, at one of the funerals that we went to, it's like um, they would say, let me know if you need anything. <laughs> I have a whole chapter on that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, ma'am. Oh, <laughs> Yeah. 
Yeah, they would say that. Now I did. Now I did have a one friend that. Oh my God, God, God bless her. She would um, bring us at dinner on like a Wednesday night mm-hmm. for like mm-hmm. a month, which that helped tremendously. Mm-hmm. I mean, I look forward to seeing her right and um, coming in because she would come and she would eat with us, and I thought that was just so you know great. Oh. But it was just like you know people like uh, right after that you figure. The holidays started because this happened in August. Mm. So mm. then the holidays started, and the first holiday was like, ugh, you know, you're you're uh, doing the you're setting the table, and you're like, oh, one's missing. And right. you know, this little stuff. So I started oh. having my um, instead of going to other people's houses for Thanksgiving, I just started having my Thanksgiving at my own because I didn't mm. want to deal with that, you know. Right. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. And you said that everybody at the funeral and everything, they seem to be doing everything. But once it's like the next day was like a dark period. Yes. Everything was like cut off. Everybody like, oh, it's over. Wow. Mm. You know, it's so normal. But, you know, and, you know, that's why um, I'm talking to my aunt this morning on the phone. It's so odd because we were talking about this. And she said, yeah, like her mother would always say, if you don't go to the funeral or you don't go to the to the uh, viewing or whatever, that's okay. There's going to be a lot of people there. You probably won't even be noticed. He said, mm. but what really makes the point is when, you know, after, like I said, after the crowd is gone and after the festivities are over, if you take and you reach out to that person in a, in a positive way, don't send them a sympathy card, send them an encouraging card, give them mm. encouraging, you know, yeah. Right. Talking about that this morning, and I'm like, she must have been in my heart when I wrote this. Because, <laughs> I mean, you know, I feel the same way. Yeah. Mm. Yes, definitely. I I raised my hand when she was saying, "Don't send send a sympathy card," because I talk about that in another chapter about cards inundated with scriptures, and it's <laughs> just like at that time, and you made this very clear in the book. I'm not going to talk too much about it because you have to read it, but <laughs> it's just like. Um, you already have a lot to process. Yes. And then to give all these scriptures and give all this stuff, this is a lot to process. This is a lot to... And so when you come into these festivals, you got to think about that. It's just like, stop asking me questions. Stop. Yeah. Just chill and just let me... Yeah. You process. know, you don't have to... Yeah. Right. Let me process mm-hmm. and, and you don't have to fix it. Just, Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Just come, give me a big hug. Don't have to just, say nothing. You don't have to say anything. Exactly. So sometimes you just come there and you just stand there and you just couldn't. I mean, if you're, if I'm fixing something, if you just put a, if I'm doing it, if you just put a, a hand on my shoulder for a minute and walk away, people don't understand how that radiates. Yes. Mm. That's love, you know. Right. Yes. Yes. I love the way you said that because it's those simple little gestures that is mm-hmm. so minute to you, but you you want to hurry up and fix it. But it's just like those hugs and those people just giving me a hug and not saying anything and walking on. And it, that meant billions. Yes. 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 Yeah. And I know I'm just thinking about that um, after everything is gone and once it has to be kind of hard after knowing, let's say a week or so goes by and no one's calling. No yeah. one's really checking up on you. you yeah. Know? It's yeah. like, okay, all these people showed up here and now they're they're scattered, they're gone. They're they're off living their life. Right, exactly. And not only that, 
but not only did you not hear from those people, but you didn't hear from the authorities that it either. Mm. I mean, and that wow. was like, uh, something, something happened here. Right. <laughs> and nobody's reaching out to the mother. What is going on? You know? So I finally did get, I finally did make a, a uh, request to have the, one of the detectives that were handling the case to come to my home to talk to me. You right. know, but I mean, I shouldn't have had to make a request for that. And then when he came, he should have came in business hours, not on after hours. And when he came, he should have brought his three-year-old son with a daughter with him. I mean, to me, it was just wow. a whole lot of, oh, it was a mess. Now he's been since fired because of for did you know wrongdoings or whatever and stuff like that. And I then I think that's a lot of the reason why we can't. You can put I don't care if you put this in here because I don't think that has a lot. Of, I think that has a lot to do with. Um, us not knowing what's going on on the case because he was such a dirty cop, you know. Mm. Just, oh something, wow, something is a is a mess there, you know. Right, right. I mean, to bring your daughter in on investigate, you know, like to talk with you yeah. and hey, I got my daughter here too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, how unprofessional. Yeah. Right, right. And then he put me somewhere that I wasn't. Didn't I used to see? Did I see you somewhere? No, I've never seen you in my life, and no, you never seen me anywhere. You know, wow. and then he asked me, could you, could my daughter use your restroom? I thought about it for a minute and I said, uh, you won't be taking her. I said, my daughter can take her to the restroom if she really needs you. Because my thought was, are you going to plant something in my house? Not that I was paranoid or anything. <laughs> right, but right. I, hey, I you have to be. How he, how he was operating and I'm like, oh, huh. Right, no. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's the other part of it is that the suspicion of not only the authority, but those around you. Again, they Mm -hmm. see in the paper that a young man has been murdered. But the first thing they think, oh, he must have deserved it. And that was one of the things that I had to challenge some of my um, non-African-American friends is that you thinking that they deserved it and that they should have done what the authority tell them to do. But this is a case where this young man was just sitting at his uncle's house playing a video game. Mm-hmm. And he, your baby that you nursed and you took care of. I mean, I'm trying not to cry right. as I say this. And then he gets murdered. Right. That's horrific. Yes, it is. It is. It's like you, he was taken and given back and then the world took him. Come mm-hmm. on. You know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And not even just speaking on them for those who think, oh, he deserved it, whatever speaking on the fact that God himself says he doesn't like us to murder one another. We got to even go to that point. He doesn't mm-hmm. like us murdering one another, first of all. And then second of all, just because he's of a certain race does not mean that it was um, it was perp- it was on purpose or whatever, or it should have yeah, been. Warranted. Yeah, warranted. Right. Right. Warranted, right. that's the word. Yeah. yeah, you know, and if it's black on black crime or whoever done it, however yes. it was fixed up, because I have a lot of scenarios of how things, how things this went down because only the fact that the connection that I had and see and what people don't realize is this I bought a house mm. and the house that I bought is a house where when I walk out into my yard and I go toward my garage and if I turn north I look directly at that house mm. because mm. it is directly across the street from me basically oh and, and they said why would you move there I said, because my son's spirit is here. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that, I don't have no problem with really being here. It's just the fact that, you know, um, it's there. It happened. And 
I mean, that was his last place where he was at. So, yeah. You know, when I, I, I think about this, um, it just makes me think within our community, you know, there's certain situations where people know about, but we just don't bring it up. And, you know, I always wonder, like, why don't we, when we see something that happens that's wrong, that's bad, that's a crime. Speak up. Right. But we hold that in and we sort of say the streets will deal with it. Right. You know, they'll get theirs. They're, you know, and it's like, People are hurting, mm-hmm. and yeah. other people know this, and they just don't want to speak up. I, and I just don't understand why this happens, and it happens primarily in our community. Yeah, that snitches thing, you know, they right. want, you know, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I told them, I don't care if they know I'm looking for them. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I don't care. You, I, I know I stay covered with prayer at all times because amen. I do know my the way I am because I mean I saw uh, a guy at Lowe's one day and I had you know I had a list of these people's names mm-hmm. that were being investigated or whatever so I took it upon myself I seen him at Lowe's one day he saw me and he cut down another owl he's <laughs> like oh no so when mm-hmm. I, I, mean, I cut down the owl whatever and I said let me add something I said did you kill my son I mean just mm-hmm. out, out, out. Flat out. Oh, wow. no I was I was I they they talked to me about it and blah, blah, blah. I said, well, I'm going to let you get away with what you're saying because I don't get a lot of movement from you right now, you know. Right. I said, but I'll circle back around to it. Well, the thing about it is the child's locked up now for something else. Mm. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah, but I had my kids said, so, Mom, please stop doing that. Uh-uh. Mm. It's, uh-uh. A, it's different. <laughs> I mean, when... Okay, and, and I'll let you speak more on this, like trying to explain because we all have losses of varying kinds but there's Mm -hmm. always this saying that when you lose a child it's a little bit more different but i do want to say really quickly that we are going to put the facebook page it's in the it's in the book but we're also going to put it in the podcast at the um in the section where you can see it i forgot the name of that section i'm so sorry but um can you speak on the difference between losing um, a parent versus losing a cousin, a sister, and versus losing your child, how that feels? Yeah, because it's an emptiness in your like you you've carried that person, you you've carried your child for nine months and you nurtured them, you know. Right. And then when you become a parent, that they're they're a part of you. So mm-hmm. when you lose them, you lose a part of you. Now when you lose a parent, you lose a part of you as well. But it's a different thing because I lost my mother and I know it was a um, oh it was a very hurtful thing mm. and stuff like that but I was able to take what she taught me and mm. move them into my life so she's with me every day where with my child I was a person that was supposed to be spilling into them right and now they're not here so it's a total different yeah it's different mm. I just remember Yes, I remember one statement my sister made. Okay, if I cry, honey, take it out. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> first of all, when they were, um, <clears throat> she was at the scene. They called her to the scene. Mm-hmm. My niece was, um, they was taking her out of the car. And she said, everybody just looking at her body. 
you know, mm-hmm. she just felt like exposed, like there, there, I can't explain the word I'm looking for. And you may be able to explain like everybody just looking at her body, you know, like she was just exposed. And then when they put her in the ground, <clears throat> she was like, I, it hurt me so much that she was in the ground. You know, it's almost like mm-hmm. yeah. you feel, feel like you tried to protect them. And it, mm-hmm. for her, she felt like I failed to protect her. And oh, yeah. my sister was a strong, strong person. Mm-hmm. She was um, one of those people who would tell you what it is. And if, you know, if she would have been able to jump in front of that bullet, she would have done it, you know? Oh, yeah, exactly. Oh, yes, yes. I say oftentimes, I just tell my kids, you know, I didn't believe in guns and stuff, but that day I wish my baby had one. Mm-hmm. It was like, I really do. Yes, I understand exactly what she's saying. Because when they had me to view his body, I know when we went to the hospital, when we initially went in there, they said, uh, we don't we don't know what you're talking about. We don't have anybody here fitting that description or anything. Hmm. And I was like, well, what in the world? This is where I was brought to, right. you know? And... Um, Come to find out, they hadn't even really even found him in the house. So I'm still in my, in my mind trying to figure out how did I, how, how this person picked me up and bring me here. Right. <laughs> if, <laughs> if nothing's going on, you know what I'm saying? Right. Going on. And then come to find out, they finally did get him there. They took him to surgery and everything. But when they finally came out and said that they didn't even give him a name, and they said the the war with, with the braids didn't make it. What? But still, that didn't register to me as being my son. Right. You know, and he didn't have any identification on him. So, therefore, I had to take and go home and get, well, somebody went to my house and we got a picture of him. And they said, well, yeah, that's him. And then, so then we went back there. I was in such turmoil. I just said, I just said he was asleep and I was ready to mm. go home. I thought, he's asleep. He's okay. I'm ready to go home. So then that's when the next day opened up a big, thing because I mean I couldn't I couldn't deal with it I mean I think I just shut down yeah mm. mm-hmm. yeah it's it's a pain that it's you're afraid to allow it to permeate yeah. because mm-hmm. it's so painful that you just just feel like you're shutting yourself in a dark room and just being done yeah exactly exactly that's how I felt I felt that and I feel that some days even now but I just try to you know, I think a lot of times I said a lot of the issues I probably have with my health and uh, breathing and different things has to do with that that I'm carrying. Mm. But I can't get rid of it right. until it is over. You know? Exactly. Mm. Yeah. You bring I up a whole everything. new point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let me ask you this. How has um, your Facebook group um, been able to help, you know, you and also others you know, we're dealing with situations like this. Um, well, we uh, we've had like a, a march that we tried to do downtown. We had, like I said, we had like little events that we passed out. Everybody's name in Springfield that had mm. cases that were oh, unsolved. Wow. We had thousands of pieces of paper going around about that. Just little things that we could do because we didn't have a 501 C or none of that. We were just doing all this for on our own and right like that. And we had um, people, I have a lot of people on the, on the page. We got quite a few members on the page. And then around holidays, everybody, they might post something. Or um, we used to have a lady that used to, her name was Grace. And she lived in up 
in Barbados up north, and she used to take in take everybody's pictures and put um, Facebook uh, greeting cards out there for the families. Mm-hmm. And that's really neat. I mean, that's really neat. And sometimes I go in and I might get some of those that she has, and then just send those out again because she doesn't do it anymore. I think it was a, like a little bit too much for her. I think it got overwhelming because she was up north and. You know, Chicago has a lot of unsolved cases, and she did for the mur- missing and murdered is what she was for. The Illinois wow. Code case. Yeah, Illinois Code case. And, um, but it's just a place for people just to vent, and you know, when they have the birthdays, they can put that out there, and everybody gives their, their loved ones a shout out, you know. Okay. Just kind of encouraging. Yeah. Mm. And just kind of keep to keep everybody in everybody's front view that this here happened and these people have not had justice. Right. And you started up the Facebook, is that correct? Yes. Uh-huh. So mm. I think that's incredible that you, you're looking outward and helping others because you know how it feels. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. So basically, how would someone get in touch? They just go out to Facebook and then go to um, the voices of those who have been silenced by violence page or... Yeah, they can do that. And if they want to become a member, they just ask to be accepted. And, and I'm the administrator, so I, I, I look to see what their purpose is first. Right, right, right. No Amen. onlookers. No onlookers. Right. Right, because because I've had have had a few people that asked to be um members of it and I'm like, uh uh-uh, uh, because they are not uh, some of the stuff that they have, the content they have on their page is not something I want them spewing on under this one. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a good way of looking at it. Sorry, yeah. I haven't joined yet, <laughs> but I will be joining. <laughs> I just said, you and I spoke about this. There were certain things I couldn't deal with at one point, and oh, yes. I couldn't I go out there yet. Oh, yeah, I understand. Yeah. Oh, awesome. Well, in wrapping up um, this fourth etiquette, um, what would you say, Nikki, um, is the biggest takeaway that you would want the reader to get from this etiquette? is to always take in consideration, put yourself in the place of the griever. Mm. And and maybe not so much the the griever, but the 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 griever and the reason why they're grieving. Because again, like I said, you have your uh, you know, you, you have people that pass away, oh they you know, they're older, they've lived their lives and um you know, now, you know, it's time, you know, then you have people that, you know, die of tragedy and those, their things, you, you look at the age of the victim and everything else, even though, like I do a lot of, our church does the, we have people that pass away and sometimes we are the servers for repasses for, you know, uh, whatever. And I always tell them to think about this, think about the age of the victim or the mm. person, the, the, the deceased. Mm-hmm. Think of the day of the week that you're having it on, because that has to do with how much food or whatever that you're going to prepare. You know, a lot of those things go along with that, just like it goes along with the grieving. You know, um, a mother, father that passes away. Oh, that's that is a very terrible thing to have because that those people reared you, Mm. and then you've got your kid. So that's a whole nother animal to take on, you know, and stuff and everything. I know God doesn't give you more than you would bear, but sometimes you're like, okay, come on, Lord. (laughs) Right. uh, (laughs) Where's my break coming? Right. um, So I just 
think that this just take on that instrument and then you know be be respectful of mm-hmm. them and their feelings uh like you said don't come to fix it because mm-hmm. you can't fix it just be there for that tap on the shoulder or that hug or just basically that that look of care mm-hmm. yeah and then then check with them later check with them later right stay yeah. in there stay in mm-hmm. there mm-hmm. Mm. Months later, it's not just a day later, days, right. weeks, months. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because a smell or like you said, even the day one of my friends, and she's going to be on here too, she she lost two people on Friday. Friday is a hard day for her. Right, right. You have right. triggers. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, because when that day came up, I said, ooh, it's the same kind of day. Mm. The mm. You know, or whatever. And then my... my um son is 33 he'll say sometime oh i think i smelt jared today mm. you know it, you know somebody might have had on a dial soap or something right you know? right like, i think i smelt him today and stuff like that so yeah things do trigger they trigger mm. mm-hmm. well nikki i just want to just thank you just for being a part of this and sharing um your story and everything i really do appreciate it Okay. Yes. All right. I appreciate you guys. I love y'all. And I want y'all to have a happy holidays. All right. You too. Thank you, you, you too, darling. Okay. Yeah. Thank right. you. Uh, you're welcome. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. So, Angie, what is the next chapter that we're going to be going over in your book? Um, the next chapter will be, please don't use empty cliche phrases or careless gestures to comfort the griever. I know that's a mouthful, but it's coming from a pastor's point of view it is one of my high school friends named tracy young and she's going to come from a pastor's point of view of how it is to be the pastor who's grieving Mm. awesome all right well great well this was um awesome getting together meeting um nikki for the first time um going over this chapter and nikki's good people yes yes definitely and until next time Yeah, see, we're still working working on this. So, (laughs) all right, (laughs) we're out. Okay, bye. Bye. Please remember to allow anyone grieving to process their grief so that it does not lead to improper release. This book and these podcasts are only to get the conversation started on etiquettes to use when supporting anyone grieving a loss. If you are attending a church or a congregation of believers, please continue to discuss other ways to partner with God to serve a grieving person and this grieving society. Let's represent God in this matter. Let's display to the world a loving God, not a punitive God in this time of grieving. <laughs>